The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, that's right. Ashley Narkin, the TV chef and the mindful eating coach, is with me here in the bridge in Ballsbridge. Uh, we are in the bar today because uh, we are looking ahead. We've got a special fro- uh, edition of the show for you, uh, previewing uh, the big match uh, tomorrow. Ireland taking on the Springboks uh, in Paris. So Shane Byrne and Luke Fitzgerald and Brent Pope and more coming up uh, after six o'clock. But Ashing with me now, as is Fionn Davenport as well, the travel expert, because we decided to combine food and travel. Uh, this week. Uh, folks, it's great to see you both. Thanks Thank you very much. much. What a better combination. Um, so the food is Green delicious in the, um, in the bridge. I had a BLT early. Can't go wrong with a classic BLT. Like Absolutely it. delicious. Uh, but we are talking more broadly, Ashton, this week about pub grub. Yeah, that gastro food, like it's been a massive trend. It exploded very early 90s. Two guys, um, Ayr and Bulbin um, in the UK, kind of 1991, they kind of went, you know what, we're missing a trick here. We've got an opportunity to make a lot of money to up our game in terms of food, pubs. So they kind of, I suppose, brought the notion of gastro pubs to life. Um, and ever since we've seen like a huge emergence of them. But it's, I suppose it's kind of travels way back. If we look at like, you know, all the way back, 10th century, 11th century. In every town, there's always been a tavern, there's been an ale house. And it's emerged over time that originally it was like ale, wine, very rustic food, a hunk of bread, a bit of cheese, take your pickings. You roll on 16th century, we had a lot of coaches. We saw a lot of kind of slightly more wealthier merchants and travellers who were wandering around. They wanted something a little bit more classy, so there was kind of a slightly higher level of wine and food that was going on. Bring it all the way forward, 19th century, and then we kind of saw the rise of, like, the coach house, the coach inn, coach rooms, where it was, you want food, you're weary, you're tired, you need comfort and sustenance, you need somewhere to sleep as well, and that expectation for food was a little bit higher. They wanted something a little bit better. So, yeah, this is where we kind of... And then what? We kind of went backwards, and we ended up with just (laughs) toasted sandwiches for about 50 years. Yeah. What Ashley said is very interesting, that it was two English guys. Yeah. Because I lived in England for a number of years and it perplexed me how the gastropub is ubiquitous now yes. in England. And, you know, lots of them have Michelin stars. And and yet, here in Ireland, in our own, it's like we were slow getting to the to the dance. I mean, I know there are some great gastropubs now. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I mean, if you look at, like, we've got our Michelin guide, obviously. Yeah. But what I love, if I ever go anywhere, travel, do a little bit different, the Bib Gourmand guide. Yes, That's sure. what I hit first, before the Michelin. Because, like, Michelin is beautiful, but it's quite formal. It's quite, you know, it's an occasion. You've got to kind of rock up, dressed up for it. It's, it's a real kind of sense of formality a little bit. Whereas if you can hit a good gastropub, that Bib Gourmand list, you're getting the creativity of that really innovative chef you're getting quality artisanal produce and you're getting a gorgeous kind of cosy vibe you know that's what the pub brings it brings that cosy vibe uh, I've got a great joke about a rabbit mixing its toasties <laughs> go but it takes about 15 minutes to tell oh. and I've given away the punchline I think a little bit there you know but also anyway. you should never preface I've got a great joke just oh. tell oh really it's yeah. too high just I should just, just set the bar just right goes into a bar alright that's what I should have started yeah, with okay. exactly maybe after six, you know what we might cut short the rugby panel after 6 o'clock I think and I'll tell that joke it takes about 15 minutes there'll be people who've just tuned in and they won't get the mix in my toasties uh, uh, ah there you go ah uh, yeah. yeah I know yeah it's already, it's already funny yeah. you didn't even know the hot of a joke and you're laughing at it do you see what I mean um, so uh, Ashley what do we have then pub grow boys this week so I brought a couple of absolute classics. I started working in a really nice pub, gastro-style pub place, when I was 15 years old. So this food is like 
It's kind of in my DNA a little bit. So I went back to all of those amazing classics. So today I have brought us my treacle brown bread, which is stunning. Seafood chowder. It's an absolute must if you go to a good gastro pub. Mm-hmm. Sticky toffee pudding for dessert. And I'm going to show you how to make the perfect Irish coffee as well. All right. Gun. Sticky okay. toffee pudding. You have? I have two things. One okay. is that... This is the temptress that you are, Ashley. This, I mean, I realise it doesn't translate well on radio, but the, the, the scent of the food. Oh, delicious, Just, yeah. I'm looking at that brown bread, like, lasciviously covered in butter. I know. There's, there's quite there's a bit much, of butter, There's as there? much butter as there is brown bread. That's there what is. it needs to be, though. That's my father. My father would, like, yeah. literally, like, a quarter inch of brown bread and, like, half a pound <laughs> of yeah, butter, like, <laughs> sprayed It'd be like slices of, of red cheddar, nearly. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. slice the butter off and place it down and not spread it. That's and then put another um, slice beside it. The other thing as well, but it's interesting, so when, <laughs> Ashley, when you put the sticky toffee pudding down, is, is that as, as, the, as the husband of a Cumbrian wife, I would be remiss not to remind the listening audience that Sticky Toffee Pudding was born in the Sharrow Bay Hotel on Oldswater in the Lake District. There you Fabulous. are. Yes. Comes from Cumbria. Sticky yes. Toffee Pudding. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, listen, dig in you two. Have a little piece of brown bread each, right? Okay. And the reason that I have spread the real Irish butter so thick on my beautiful treacle brown bread is that when you dip it in the chowder or your soup, the heat of the soup just kind of melts it a little bit and it just mm. tends to kind of mix in with it. It's, isn't that beautiful brown bread? Oh, that is lovely. If you can lovely, nail a brown bread recipe, like you're absolutely done mm. for it. So I'm going to tell you, right? There's wholemeal flour in there. There's oats in there. I know. I, I wish you could see their faces. This is good. There is joy and happiness there. How good is that chowder? Chowder is so good. Fionn, don't dip amazing? all of it now. Chowder. Yeah. Say, it's so good. Say chowder, Frenchie. Wait, <laughs> Simpsons jokes. <laughs> You're on a roll Ian today. was here earlier. He said, you know, I'm just really still a 13-year-old boy. And I think we all are, Fionn. Uh, well, one of the things you realise when you grow up is there's no such thing as adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Just older kids no, with on, more patches. On a slightly more serious note, this is divine. Isn't and it you're right. The, and, and you can, the brown bread, but you can you can get that lovely taste of treacle. That's it. That's mm. it. And it's just, it's a little bit of that hint of sweetness through it. Mm. So there's eggs, the sunflower oil. It's made with buttermilk. You've got your oats. You've got your wholemeal flour in there. And actually, the treacle that I've used, for ages, you know, we had this classic red tin of sticky treacle in the press at home. But High Bank Orchards from Kilkenny are doing a treacle. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It's an, I actually brought it. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous product. It's artisanal. It's local. Like, I mean, we're in that apple season as well this time of year. It's a lovely product if you can get your hands on it. And it's really, really lovely in the brown bread because you don't use that much. In the recipe, it makes a two-pound loaf tin, but you're only using, like, two tablespoons. Yeah. So, you, you know, you get a bit of longevity out of it, and it's a quality product. It's and really it's, lovely. And it's bad because when I make brown bread, I use the aforementioned red yes. tin of treacle that's been there since maybe 1987. Yeah. And, uh, mm. you know... That's absolutely great. Used a lot during COVID, I will say. Uh, before we start mixing drinks or anything there, uh, Fiona's here not just to eat food. Although I think, judging by him, he'd, happ- he'd happily stay here. Just Go to South Africa. It's a lovely country. Great value for money. Let's eat. Come back and eat Ashley's yeah. powder. Yeah. <laughs> That's really simple. Um, have you been to South Africa many times? I've been a few times. Yeah. Now, now, I will confess, I haven't been since pre-COVID. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's... It's a remarkable country in so many ways. It's very, very popular with us. Incredibly popular yeah. as a destination. In part, it's because you have that mix of the uh, the exoticism of Africa with the recognizable features of a Western democracy yeah. and at value for money. 
because the rand compared to the euro has always been very... So your, your euro goes quite a long way in South okay. Africa. What is your favourite thing then to do, I mean, in South Africa? Do you know, the fir- so the first time I was quite basic about it. So I did Cape Town for a few days and then the garden route. On subsequent visits, I have done Johannesburg, which is, despite its grisly reputation, is an absolutely amazing city. And and a huge part of that is to do with the the urban renewal that has transformed the city centre into... It's just... And and it really is the heart of South African culture. Mm. So all of it, uh, white and African. Um, The Eastern Cape, I loved very much. Really enjoyed the Eastern Cape. And, and as much as the Garden Route is the highlight destination for so many visitors... What's the Garden Africa? Route, then, for the people who haven't route, been there? It's, 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 it's a, a road that goes from Cape Town out to the edge of the Eastern Cape on, on a, just a big loop, and it goes through the Winelands. So, and the Winelands, if you've never been... So the Winelands is one of the big highlights. It's, it's wine country. It's, Amazing. Yeah, OK. And uh, South African wines, obviously justifiably famous throughout the world. But the, the colonial-style houses that, that both are where the wineries are, but also, more importantly, the, the, the range of accommodation from not just five-star, but kind of seven-star. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. To your mom-and-pop-owned B&B-style accommodation. Yeah. That's, and, and, and it's well-trodden, it's very touristy, but all, you know, absolutely worthwhile. If you want to go further afield, I mentioned Johannesburg, but the Eastern Cape, the Eastern Cape is stunning and, and far less developed in the tourism, from a tourism point of view. And, and that's just literally touching on what is a vast, vast, vast country. Um, I mean, places, I, I mentioned the wine, the Wild Coast, again, in the Eastern Cape is, is really, really beautiful. Um, what else would I say? Um, what kind of scenery do you have around there? Ah, here. Um, okay, in where? The Winelands? Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's, it's what you'd expect. It's kind of, it's like if, if the Loire Valley was Dutch. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's it. I can picture that. That's a yeah. really good right. visual for what it is. Hey. The Loire Valley was Dutch. It's so, really, really beautiful. It's, it's the veldt. It's, you know, these beautiful... Yeah, about but, the stoned cyclists. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really beautiful. The, uh, Cape Town. reputation of the Dutch. We covered Vancouver in the travel slot a few weeks ago. Yes. So there are a number of cities, Sydney being one of them, Vancouver being another, San Francisco, perhaps Seattle, and I'm, I'm missing a bunch of them, but Cape Town falls into this category of, ge- of, of its geographical position being the envy of most cities throughout oh, yes. the world. Okay, yeah. Like, it is absolutely breathtaking, you know? Yeah. And it, it's just so beautifully positioned and, and, and all the better for it, you know? Okay, I want to ask about national parks, like kind of wildlife stuff Kruger. and food and where to stay in just a moment, but on the food topic, Ashling, that sticky toffee pudding. Let's do it. What yeah. are we waiting good, for? Isn't it? Okay. So, tell us about I'm going to pass this over to you. Okay. And we have Sorry, food Fionn. as well. <laughs> We might share, we might share. Um, there's actually a South African dish, which is malva, which is really, really similar to a sticky toffee pudding. Yes, yes. Incredible. So theirs is a slightly lighter version. So ours, yeah, I know. Ours smells lovely. Smell that. Go on, you keep going there. It's rich and it's caramelly. <laughs> it's lovely. food. <laughs> so what you do is you're starting with dates. So dates are a core ingredient to this. You're going to soak your dates in a little bit of warm water. And then you're kind of doing this creaming method where you've got brown sugar, you've got butter, you've got eggs. Vanilla is really, really really important and then you're going to soak your date mixture put that in to your cake mixture put it all around I bake it in a loaf tin and then you make your caramel sauce that goes on top so I do them separately some recipes will cook them and they'll cook the sticky toffee pudding in the caramel sauce but 
particularly for like if you're kind of traveling or you know you want it to last a couple of days what's really lovely is just to make your toffee sauce you're melting your butter and your sugar get that caramel beautiful golden treacle mm. in there cream in bubble it all up with your vanilla and is it that all of those ingredients that give it that uh, heavy is probably the wrong word. But it but is heavy. It's quite dense. It's a dense dessert. It's a dense yeah, dessert, whereas the Malva, which is sponge, which yes. is just a much lighter thing. Yeah. But but the joy and pleasure of, of a good sticky toffee pudding oh. is that heaviness. It is. It's the richness. It's that unctuousness. It's, you know it's luxurious. You know it's a bit of a treat. It's absolutely gorgeous. It really is. It's lovely. So we're using the brown sugars. We're using the treacle. So that's where you're kind of getting that depth of caramel flavor from. And yes. It's stunning. Like, it's such a lovely Oh, it's so, so good. Uh, what else should I in South Africa, Fionn? In South Africa. So, and Ashling, you would know this, I'm sure, but like so many parts of the world, so, uh, so, and I'm using air quotes, but Western food, like, you know, your class, which is really American food. Yeah. American food is ubiquitous and done whatever, but what, what has happened, as it happened, as has happened in Ireland in the last two decades, mm. as has happened in other parts of the world that would have perhaps not have been as confident in its own native cuisine, is a rediscovery of native cuisine. Yes. And what you have in South Africa, so you have that, that kind of American, for want of a better term, American cuisine, and everything is from, from steaks to burgers to whatever. Yeah. With a rediscovery of all the traditions that go into South African cooking, Malay, Dutch, uh, local African, so things like mealies, which is corn. Yes. Uh, and, and, and when you have these differing styles all coming together, it makes for a remarkably rich and exciting and interesting cuisine. Mm. And for that reason, uh, like traveling to, yes, of course, you can eat, like you go to those like international standard hotels, you can get everything you want. But if you are, if you go to those restaurants and in the cities, they're all over the place, but also in the countryside, it's that do, that are doing, that are, that are specializing in kind of local cooking, but local cooking for an international audience. That's, that's the real thing. So, uh, I mean, look, um, food. So, for example, like, like even say things like the, the I'm going to, the biltong, I think it is pronounced. It's, mm-hmm. Basically, it's, it's salted spiced meat, which yes. is an Afrikaner dish. Okay. Now, now it's, it's, it's Afrikaner farmers would eat that like whilst out in the veldt, but now transformed into kind of fine dining. So it's like given like lovely treatment. So it's presented. And so you find like mealy, for example, which again is just corn. And it, it's a poor man's food, but again, transformed into something tastier. It's a, like, I mean, look, ultimately, and, and as, as half an Italian, the best cuisine is, is the cuisine of the peasant. Is peasant cuisine transformed mm-hmm. into something else. Yes. But at root, it remains the cuisine that people on the land eat. That's the best food you can eat. And uh, I asked about the National Park, Kruger, is that what you said, Kruger National oh. Park? Is that, where do you go to see wildlife? Or should you do it in another country in Africa? I mean, Botswana is, is one it's of the kind countries of the big they say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, but Kruger. Look, Kruger Kruger's the size of a country. Kruger isn't a park as much as it is a half a continent. It's bigger than Herbert Park next door to a Sea Balls Bridge. <laughs> Even as big as Phoenix Park. Biggest. <laughs> can't say the word Phoenix Park without saying the largest enclosed non wildlife park in Europe. Yes. Um, Great selling point. It is. So Kruger is one of Africa's great wilderness experiences. And it is by far the mightiest of Africa's or South Africa's national parks. And look, a trip to Kruger, you can just devote your time to Kruger alone. So just the the, the accessibility, whether you're coming in from the south 
or you're coming in from the north, from the from the Joburg end. Um, it everything from wilderness trails and bushwalks. You can go mountain biking in Kruger, and you can see the Big Five. Although the chances of seeing all five of the Big Five are pretty slim, because leopard is a notoriously shy animal, and uh, generally. Speaking, what are the Big Five? Oh God, I'm going to get so lion, leopard, rhino, elephant, and hippo, hippo. giraffe, hippo. No, giraffe's giraffe. not in it. What? No. Go away to that. No, ah, that is a joke. Yeah, it should be the big six then, shouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> Are you advocating? Yeah, I am. I think it's a disgrace. Actually, this yeah. is, this is news to me. Breaking uh, news. You. Giraffes are not in the big five. So on on so on visits, I have never seen. I've been to South Africa. I Lion, think, yeah. leopard, elephant, buffalo, and rhino. Buffalo. Yeah. Okay. Right. What's the difference between a buffalo and a bison? Can't wash your hands in a buffalo. You never joke. I didn't preface that by saying it's a great joke, <laughs> and now it works. Um, I've been to South Africa a bunch of times, and I've been on safari a bunch of times, and I have never. And what I heard, so the rule of thumb is this: if if any park is yeah. promising you the big five, like guaranteeing a side of the big five, it's not a park; it's a zoo. Oh, there you go. All right. Have you seen the drunk elephants, though? No. Have you heard about these? No. So supposedly they eat marula. So marula is a fruit that grows in the savannas in South Africa, and the fruit ferments on the trees. So the elephants were seen walking around, eating, gorging on all of these beautiful marula fruits, and they were like drunk. So they, they the picture on the front of the bottles, they've made a liqueur out of it. I want to try this. <laughs> Listen, you guys, you lions, you're all that. Yeah. Uh, 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 speaking of drunk elephants, are we doing an Irish coffee? We're doing we an go? Irish coffee. All right. I'm going to teach you how to do a proper okay. Irish coffee. Oh. So I was at um, Tullamore Distillery last week, and we learned how to make a proper Irish coffee. So the proportions are really, really important. So the first thing is a warm glass. Always heat your glass. Boiling water in the glass first, heat your glass. Then you're going to start with 30 mils of whiskey. Okay, so this makes one. So I'm going to pop in 30 mils of my Tullamore whiskey. Into that, we are going to pop coffee. Now, the okay. trick is, traditionally what we always would have done is poured the sugar, brown sugar, into the whiskey. Yes. Stir it all around. Bob's your uncle. But what happens is sometimes the sugar sits in the bottom. So make your hot coffee, brew it, and put your sugar in as you're brewing your coffee. Oh, so, so the sugar's already in there. It's already in there. So it means it's dispersed. So you're talking 30 mils of coffee yeah. to 90, 30 mils of whiskey, 90 mils of coffee, 15 mils of sugar, and then you're talking about 30 mils of cream going on top. And you want to float your cream on top. Your cream should be lightly whipped, warm spoon, if you're doing it correctly at home, not sitting in a pub in a very makeshift effort, okay? <laughs> oh, well, it's a makeshift effort now. It looks pretty appetizing. It does. Oh, it does yes. Nice. Right, so you use the spoon then to keep it on top, to stop it plopping down into and the middle. Can I, can I ask either of you if, if you can... Uh, lend credence to the old tale that Irish coffee was born at Shannon Airport. Yes, it was. In the 1940s. So uh, visiting Americans arrived in the cold and the wet and they wanted something a little stronger to uh, to warm them up. That was it. So, the, oh, so, the, so that is true. That is true. That was the story we got told at the distillery last week. 100% absolutely true. Yep. And to do it right and when you get a good Irish coffee it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Like it's creamy, it's sweet, it's warming. It's all of those... 
luxuries. Oh, Karen's, the Karen's halfway. Top day at the office. You know, actually, Karen's halfway to being a drunk elephant. I am. I, I'm going to be a drunk elephant if I keep going with these Irish coffees. Ashley Lark and Fionn Davenport, listen, it's been a pleasure. And thanks a million, both of you, for joining us here uh, in the Bridge Bar in Balls Bridge. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.